You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Rags to Riches, Part 5. Enjoy. We love you so much this morning. We thank you for who you are in our lives. Holy Spirit, we're here with you this morning enjoying your presence. We receive from you everything you have purposed to give us, and we thank you for life abundantly. More and better than we've ever dreamed of. And we thank you for showing yourself to us this morning, for flooding the eyes of our heart with the light of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. We are continuing. We're continuing with our series entitled Rags to Riches. And we just seek the Lord every week, say, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to focus on? And boy, he's got something good for us this morning. Rags to Riches, part five, we're talking about prosperity. And we encourage you to, to, to go through the word with your Bible. Make sure you're, you're, in, you're taking full advantage of the word that God brings each week. It's not about me or whoever delivers the word. It's about the supernatural gift of preaching, the the way the Holy Spirit operates in our lives, he will bring a preacher to us to give us the word. And it's got to be a word that lines up with Jesus, right, that's that's in line with the word of God. And then that's a seed that's sown into our hearts. And as we meditate on that, it grows. So uh, parts one through four are available at highwaychurch.us. You can go there, click on the podcast button, and man, don't just sit there and listen to it. Get your Bibles out. Read the Scriptures yourself. It's good to hear the Word. It's also good to see the Word with your own eyes and speak it with your own mouth. I like doing all three, hearing it, speaking it, and reading it, right? And go through the Word. Let the words of Christ change the way you think about your finances. All right. So our foundational text is Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Jesus himself, our King and Lord, said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's an enlightening verse. He lets us know that whatever it is we choose to treasure in life, our heart will follow after that. Well, at Highway Church, we made a purposeful decision to treasure God to treasure our relationship with God above everything we have and everyone we know. And because we treasure God more highly than anyone or anything, we treasure what He treasures. And do you remember what He treasures? What's He treasure? Psalm 138, verse 2. His Word, right. It says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name For thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What what a reality is that, huh? What a truth is that. God has exalted his word above even his name. So God treasures his word above all else, so we treasure the word above all else. And when we look to the word which God treasures and we treasure, we found that God has a financial plan for your life. The Holy Spirit is the financial planner. And his financial plan for your life is supernatural, far beyond anything you could do in your own through your own efforts or your own strength. 
And God has installed spiritual laws in the earth for us to benefit from. We looked at that last week, right? We looked at seed time and harvest, or sowing and reaping. And we saw that the Apostle Paul talks of sowing and reaping in reference to giving our finances to the ministry of the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 and Galatians 6. Well, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going forward. And it would be remiss of us if we talked about God's financial plan without talking about tithing. <laughs> We've got to talk about it. And now tithing is, a, is a one, another one of those topics that, oh boy, it's touchy. People are ready to fight over it. And there are some people who say, you have to tithe. And if you don't tithe, you're under a curse. And then there are some people who say, you don't have to tithe. Tithing is under the old covenant. and We're under the new covenant. We don't need to do that anymore. And well, at Highway Church, we've made again a very purposeful decision to not base what we believe on our opinions. And there are opinions, you ask 10 different people a question, you get 10 different opinions. We, we've made a very purposeful decision not to base what we believe on what we have or on what we don't have mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or on what we've been through or what we haven't been through. We know at Highway Church that experience is not the best teacher. Whoever said that lacked intimacy with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the best teacher. Isn't it better to learn something without having to go through it, to just take God at his word? That's the best way to learn. We don't, you don't have to learn by experience. You can learn. by That's a relationship by faith. You simply take him at his word. That's how God wants us to learn. So we don't base what we believe on these things. We've chosen to base what we believe solely upon the very words of God, on who God is as he's revealed in this holy book, okay? So because we based uh, our beliefs on the word and not on the opinions of man, we have a different perspective here at Highway Church. So the question is, to tithe or not to tithe? I don't know. Is that really the question? I actually don't think so. Let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 14. When, when an issue comes up, I like to, to kind of go beyond the noise and say, well, where did this topic come from? Who, where did tithing come from? Like where, it sounds like it, it would be a, something good for a pastor or a minister or a priest to come, come up with to generate revenue for the church. Maybe that's where it came from. But when we look in the Bible, we find the first place that the word tithe appears is way back in Genesis 14. And there's a principle of Bible study called the principle of first, that the first time something appears in the scriptures, there's a great significance to it, all right? And we're going to see a great significance here. So the first place that we see the word tithe come up, which is an old English word, the English translators use, it simply means a tenth of or 10%, comes up in the life of Abram. Now, anyone know when Abram was born? What year Abram was born? Anyone want to guess? It was before the new millennium, right? He was born about halfway between Jesus and Adam. He was born about 2001 B.C., okay? Now, how long did Abraham live? Anybody know? 175 years. 
Does anyone know when the law was given? What year was the law given? It was, on all, it was a big thing in the news, remember? <laughs> it was uh, about 1496 B.C. So when people talk about the Old Covenant law, it wasn't given uh, until over 500 years after Abram was born, hundreds of years after he died, okay? Why am I bringing that up? On Mount Sinai was the point when the law was given, right? The Ten Commandments were given. The law was instituted. And that was about 2,454 years uh, after Adam was created. Why is that important? When people think of the Old Testament, they often think of Old Covenant law. But actually, the period of time in the Old Testament where man was without the law is longer than the period of time that man was with the law. In other words, man was without law in the Old Testament about 2,500 years and was with the law a little less than 1,500 years. And then if you look at the 2,000 years since Christ, the 6,000 years since Adam, the amount of time that man was with law was only about 1,490 years as far as God is concerned. The rest of it was without law and then the new covenant. Why is that important? Because God is not about law. He's about relationship. Extremely important. So we see Abram in Genesis 14 who is not under the law. Very important to understand that. The old covenant was not in effect. There was no Levitical priesthood. There were no Ten Commandments. Very important to understand that. Keep things in context, okay? We have a man who's in relationship with God based on what? God's Word. God spoke to Abram back in Genesis 12, told him to leave his father's household, leave his people, and come and follow him. Abraham took the Word of God and acted upon it. That's what their relationship is built on. There was no Moses. There were no stone tablets. There was no Levitical priesthood. It was just a man listening to and following God. It was a relationship by faith, not law. Very important, okay? So let's take a look at this. Genesis 14, we're gonna start reading in verse 18. Now keep in mind, Romans chapter 4 says that Abraham is the father of all that believe. The father of the righteousness that we have by faith, not by law. Our relationship is by faith. Do you know that? Yes, yes. It's not by law. Very important. He meets someone in Genesis chapter 14, a king by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is named twice in the Old Testament, in Genesis 14 and Psalms 110. He's named, I think, at least nine times, nine of those times in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Very significant figure in the Bible. Melchizedek is most certainly a type of Christ. I believe, and we're going to read in Hebrews, that he may have been Jesus himself appearing to Abram. You'll see why after we read 
Hebrews. All right, let's look at Genesis 14, chapter 18. So you got the context now? Here's a man in relationship with God. There's no law. There's no Levitical priesthood. It's just him and God. He's following God. All right. Now Abraham's uh, nephew Lot and his family, his possessions were taken captive. Abraham, Abram at this point, hires, or he didn't hire, he took 300 of his hired men and he went after and got back everything. God gave him favor and he got back what was stolen and rescued Lot and his families. And then in verse 18, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. When you see bread and wine in the Bible, take note. It is symbolic of a blood covenant. Okay? What is Melchizedek doing? He's coming to make a covenant with Abraham. Abram at this point. I'm going to just say Abraham because that's how we all know him. He's coming to make a covenant with him. All right? He was the priest of God Most High. Was he a Levitical priest? No. Levi wasn't even born yet, right? And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, that being Abram, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. All right? John, excuse me, Psalm 110, verse 4. Don't turn there. Just stay in Genesis says this, it's a psalm of David, and it's prophetically speaking of Christ, and it says, The Lord has sworn and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who's he talking about in the Psalm 110? Jesus, Jesus absolutely. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking, verse 56, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. Wow. Abram lived 2,000 years before Jesus. They got mad when he said this, right? They said, you're, you're not even, you know, you were what, 30 years old? And you said you've seen Abraham? I believe this is one of the places in Genesis 14. Another place I believe Abraham saw Jesus was when God put him to sleep and cut a covenant with him. And that torch passed between the sacrifices. I believe that was Jesus. So we know from the words of Jesus that Abraham saw him, all right? Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. Stay with me. This is so good. This is so good. Don't mind my nose. It's reacting to this heat for some reason, but it will not continue. <laughs> A little too hot in here for me. <laughs> all right, let's go to Hebrews. Are you there? Hebrews chapter 7. So we got Abram giving a tithe to Melchizedek. Melchizedek comes to him and cuts a covenant with him. And then Abraham responds by giving him a tenth of all that he has. Here's chapter 7 of Hebrews. This is written by the Apostle Paul. This is the New Testament we're about to read, right? This is after the Old Covenant. Abraham was before the Old Covenant. Now we're reading after the Old Covenant. For this is Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Who's that sound like? King of righteousness? King of peace. 
Look at this. Look at verse 3. Without father. Talking about Melchizedek. Had no father. Without mother. Without descent. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Well, there's only one who has no father, no mother, no beginning, no end. Jesus, right? But made like unto the Son of God abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, Levi excuse me, who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham, but he whose descent is not counted from them. Melchizedek wasn't from Levi, right? He received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less, that's Abraham, is blessed of the better, that's Melchizedek. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he received them, that's Melchizedek, of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Look how the, the uh, New International Version says verse 8. It's up on the screen. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die. That's, in the, that's talking about Levitical law, right. Right? right? But in the other case, Abraham, who was not in the law, under law, right? He, he was before the law, by him who is declared to be living. Melchizedek never died. It's the only place we see him. We see him once up here. See? Talking about Jesus, isn't it? Verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Let's jump to verse 14 for time's sake. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. Now, isn't that interesting that man lived on the earth uh, almost 2,500 years with no law, that, that, that we've been living under a new covenant for 2,000 years, that Jesus didn't come from the tribe of law? He came from the tribe of Judah. What does Judah mean? Praise. Why did Jesus come from the tribe of praise instead of the tribe of law? Because praise comes from relationship. Right? God is not about law. He's about relationship. So good. Verse 15, And it is yet far more evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, I like this, but after the power of an endless life. That power is the power that God wants activated in your finances. Amen. The power of his endless provision Amen. in your life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's look at two more scriptures, two more verses. In Hebrews 7, then we're going to move on. For the, verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. Wow. But the bringing in of a better hope did, 
by which we draw nigh unto God. So we don't draw close to God through the law, but through this high priest that lives forever, Jesus, right? We want the power of his endless life in full effect in every area of our lives. So we draw near to him, not through the law, but through faith. Verse 24, but this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. I want you to get all this. Stay with me. So Hebrews, the New Testament, is comparing Abraham's relationship with God, which was before the law, to our relationship with Jesus, which is after the law. Do you see that? Yeah. I mean, you can read a whole chapter. If we had time, we would. Chapter 7. But it's, it's comparing Abraham's relationship with Melchizedek to our relationship with Jesus before the law and after the law. That's significant. Jacob, Abraham's grandson, tithe. When was Jacob born? Anybody know? Were you there? Did you come to his birthday party? <laughs> his bar mitzvah? No, about 160 years after Abraham. And uh, so again, hundreds of years before the law. Let's pull up Genesis 28. I just want you to see what Jacob said. And get the context. No law, no priesthood, no tabernacle, okay? Just his grandpa following God, yeah. right? And now he's, he's following God. He had some changing to do, but he was following God. Genesis 28, 22, this is what Jacob said to God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, isn't that interesting? So when we, we look at tithing, forget what people say, forget what pastors say, forget what anybody says. Let's see what God says. We see tithing before the law. Of course, we see tithing during the Levitical law, right? During the old, and we see tithing after the law. We just read Hebrews 7, right? Did God ask Jacob to tithe? If you go back and read Genesis 28, you won't see God asking Jacob to do that at all. Did Melchizedek ask Abram to do that? No. Didn't ask him at all. Tithing is born out of gratitude, love, and faith, not law. Tithing is an expression of love and faith towards God. And we see that in the Word. They weren't commanded to do it. No one told them to do it. There was no law about it. They just did it, right? He knew that it was Melchizedek, the favor and blessing of Melchizedek that, was, that, that saved his life and his family and was going to bring him into his future. And he cut a covenant with him. And he just said, take 10%. Here, here's 10% of all that I have. It's love. It's giving. Loving, love is expressed through giving. So people will say, well, do I have to tithe? I say, no. No, you don't have to tithe. Why do you think that way? Who told you that? That's a law mentality. Right? We're, not in, we're not in a law relationship with God. It's a love relationship. Don't give to God you're, uh, because of religious duty. That's what makes people sad and cranky, religious duty. Yeah, and there's, there's a number of those folks around. They're tithing, but by golly, they're not happy about it. <laughs> then you better do it too so you can be unhappy. No, don't tithe because you have to. It's not something we have to do. We don't have to do anything. Isn't that wonderful? 
We don't. We can do whatever we want. We're free people. But we choose to do what we do because we love him. So tithing is not about having to. We want to. We get to. (laughs) It's a privilege to have the power of his endless life generating finances in our lives. His blessing on my finances. Woo! There's no have to about it. That is a privilege. So tithing is an expression of love and faith and gratitude that is not of the law. It's born out of relationship with him. And it could, if you don't have that relationship, man, it, I don't I do whatever you want, you know. Well, I say don't tithe. Don't do anything, you know. Just go out and do whatever you want. But if, you, if you're in a relationship with him, why not let him get involved in your finances? Isn't that a mark of intimacy when someone knows your finances? There's nothing Jennifer doesn't know about our finances. <laughs> our names are on our accounts. We're, they're joined. And I, I've seen over the years, you know, a husband will have his accounts, his wife has their accounts, and they don't even know what's going on in their finances. And usually there's issues in the marriage. Why? Because it reveals a lack of intimacy. Why can't she see what I do with my finances? Why can't I see? Why? We're one, right? Let's take a look at this in Mark chapter 12. I love this. God's so good. Yes. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 12. Now look at this. See, God wants intimacy. Boy, we need to know that. Let's forget the law and let's focus on love. If you will realize how much God loves you, his love will give you the power to overcome sin in your life. His love will give you the power to be the person that he made you to be. Now, here's Jesus in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. (laughs) I love this. Verse 41, and Jesus sat over against the treasury. He's sitting in church and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. He's actually watching how much people give. Can you imagine if I did that or some pastor did that? I put a chair up here and say, okay, come on up, everybody. Line up. Okay. All right, Judah. Okay, good. Good. All right. Uh, uh, uh. No. Wouldn't that be scandalous, right? But would I be wrong to do that? I'm not, I'm not planning on doing it. But. but this is Jesus now. I love it. I love Jesus. He just rips those shackles right off, right? Relationship. And there comes this poor widow. And she throws in two mites. That's like a dollar or two, right? And you got these rich people putting in thousands or more. Who knows? Lots of money. And she throws in two mites, which make a farthing. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus calls, now he calls his disciples over. (laughs) Wow. And says unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Now this is a very important verse here. See, he wants intimacy. Was he trying to to shame someone? Of course not. God's not like that. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had. Wow. Even all her living. Now, there's much to be learned here. 
So let's just say she gave a dollar and 30 cents. That's all she had to her name. Jesus said she gave more than those who are rich and put in thousands. So Jesus is taking note of what? Not the amount that we give, but the percentage of our total income we give. You see that? So let's say someone comes in and gives $20,000, and someone comes in and gives a dollar. Who gave more? We don't know. We have no way of knowing. The only way you can know is by looking at the total percentage of what that person gave. Isn't that good? This is intimacy. (laughs) I know people think it's a money-making scheme, but it has nothing to do with that. We want God to be totally involved in what we're doing. So God looks at the percentage of what we give him. So that levels the playing field. Mm -hmm. So a giver is not someone who's got a big bank account necessarily, but if they keep giving, they will, (laughs) right? It's based on the percentage of what you have. He said this poor woman, she gave everything she had. I don't feel sorry for her. I say, you go, girl, (laughs) right? Because as she continues in that faith, she won't be poor much longer because God is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. So this is good. So no one's disqualified from this. And I've heard people say, I've heard them say both. Oh, I make too much money to tithe. I've heard them say, I don't make enough money to tithe. (laughs) And they're missing the whole point of it. It's a percentage. So some would say, well, should a poor person tithe? Not if they're doing it out of religious duty. Not if they're doing it because of the law. But if, they're, if, they, if they put their faith in God to provide, to be their provider, I say, do it. Absolutely. Do it in faith. Do it joyfully. Look to God to take what you give to him and to multiply it many times back unto you and to take you from, from what you have to more and more and more. So I, I, love, I love the Bible. It just shakes all the religious stuff off of us. And we see that tithing, it's not but based on how much we make, but on how much we love. Isn't that good? Yeah, I like that. It's, on, it's all about love. Look at uh, one more scripture, then we'll finish up here. Well, actually, look at Luke 6.38. Can you go back to that one, E? This is Jesus. This is love talking. And this is love's perspective. Love is generous. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. What a statement that is, huh? Was Jesus trying to get something from people? Love is a giver. We don't want our children to obey us for our own benefit. We ask them to do things, and we have things that we expect of them for their benefit because we want them to prosper. And we know that if they'll do certain things, the results it will bring about in their lives. So when Jesus says, give and it will be given to you, he's not looking to steal or take something from you. He knows that if you develop an attitude of generosity and faith, that what he says will happen, that, that it will be poured down, poured into your bosom, shaken down, pressed together, and running over. Now look at Proverbs 3, last scripture. So when we, when we come to, to, to worship the other corporately, like the book of Acts, man, we're so glad about the word. We bring in 
We bring what, what we, we, this money came in this week, uh, you know, that we were not expecting. First thing I thought, yes, let's bless God. Let's bless God. I mean, 10% is a given, but we're going to give more on top of that. See? So you're praying for something and it comes in or part of it comes in. What do you do? You take 10% off that right away, an offering on top of that, not out of religious duty because you know the source where it's coming from. Right? And you're, you're full of gratitude like Abram coming back from the battle and saying, oh, yeah, here you go, God. So it doesn't matter what comes into our hands. When does it come in? When do we tithe? Man, when it comes in, right off the top, right? We give it right to him because we love him. Proverbs 3, 9. Look at this. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. I like how the message says it. Put that one up there, Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. So even though there are taxes taken out of our paycheck, every paycheck we get, we give off of the gross of that paycheck. Even though we're technically, you know, we're not getting that right now, but we give off the gross of that. Anything We do that because, because this, is, this is it right here. Love, first and best. What kind of relationship would I have with my wife and my family if they got my last? Right? And if you look at our budget, the the largest part of our budget is spent on taking care of our family. Right? Our housing, our food, clothes. Because that's the most important natural thing in our lives. Right? So our love is expressed by giving. We give him our first. We give him our best. And God is so good. And I think we're going to probably end up concluding this next week by, by looking at this system that God's installed of the body of Christ in the earth. We want to cultivate a flow in Highway yes, Church yes, yes. where we're givers to the Lord and to each other. Yes. And the God will put it on your heart. These people, we know them. They're, they're friends of ours, but they were praying. So, so the Lord had blessed them, and they said, God, we, have it. we, we want to sow this somewhere. Show us where to do it. And God put the, our name on their heart. But God will do that. He'll speak to you about learn to be led in your finances. And it's great to, to, to be, be in that flow where you can just bless someone. Who knows what, what, what their need is or what's going on in their lives, but just to follow the Lord. So we want to cultivate generosity at Highway Church, and we're not afraid of being without. Because God is our provider. So we're cultivating. So to tithe or not to tithe, it's not the question. It's to love or not to love, right? Because <laughs> we, we tithe not based on what we make. We give not based on what we make, but on how much we love. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your word today and for strengthening us and encouraging us. Lord, it's all about your amazing love. We thank you that we have a relationship with you, not based on law, but based on love. It's your love that gives us victory over sin. It's your love that brings about righteousness in our lives. It's knowing your love that enables us to do right, to do the things that you've called us to do, to treat people as you treat them. And Lord, we're determined to not let religion come in this door of this church, to be a a place where your love is free to flow. So, Father, we give to you gladly this week. And, Lord, when something comes into our hands, we just bless you with it. 
you're first on our list, Lord. We consider you first in our finances. We consider you first in everything we do. And we love you. And we thank you for taking us higher and meeting every one of our needs according to your riches and glory. In Christ Jesus, amen. Why not give God the combination to your safe and let him be intimately involved in your finances? Tithing and giving is not born of the law, but of relationship. Take your relationship with Christ to a new level and give cheerfully unto him. Amen.